nice to uh, see everybody out on Tuesday night. So, uh, yeah, we don't care. We're going to just do it all week long. We finished the tour down in Florida. We just came here to kick a little ass. Yeah. It's called Wish I Had a Pencil Thin Mustache. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Songlines and Tandlines podcast, a place to take a momentary break from your day-to-day routine. Those returning, thank you. The support is appreciated. Those new to this podcast, welcome. And if you like what you hear and are not a subscriber, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's pull up the anchor and set sail. Did you know... Eight tracks lasted until about 1988, maybe a notch longer. In the 80s, they were mostly record club exclusives. Places like Columbia House. I remember being a member of that club multiple times and gobbling up heaps of cassettes, CDs, VHS tapes, and DVDs. I gave a lot of my money to that company. Anyway, after listening to the Something for Nothing podcast, episode 136, an episode where they interview Tim Durling, who wrote a book called Unspooled, an adventure in eight tracks. I went down a rabbit hole and uncovered some interesting facts about eight tracks. I won't go into all of the information I found in this blurb, but here are a few things I learned. Did you know the artist St. Vincent is still releasing eight tracks? And did you know there is a National 8-Track Day, April 11th, 2022? If you have 8-Tracks and want to celebrate, that day is your day. And the last thing I want to share is it appears Huey Lewis and the News album Small World, released in November of 1988, two years before the 90s began, was the last commercial 8-Track released. But I've also heard Journey Greatest Hits, my first CD, and a Fleetwood Mac album could also hold that honor as well. I guess that fact is a bit fuzzy. But the fact 8-tracks were still around beside cassettes, records, and CDs boggles my mind. Before I end this segment, it's longer than a minute to be, but it looks like Somewhere Over China in 1982 was the last Buffett album to appear on 8-track. Not sure that's correct, but I couldn't find the next album, one particular harbor on 8-track, only cassette. So that led me to that conclusion. Funny thing, here's the track listing for Somewhere Over China on 8-track. 
It's much different than the CD. If you have the current track listing for Somewhere Over China, you can follow along as I read this off. Eight tracks were broken into four sections. I don't know why that's the way they worked. I don't know the whole ins and outs of eight tracks. That's just what I know, the little bit I know. Anyway, section one, the song listing was Where's the Party and Somewhere Over China. Section two was It's Midnight and I'm Not Famous Yet. I heard I was in town and if I could just get it on paper. That song was split between section two and section three. And in section three, that song, if I could just get it on paper, finished. And you get the song Lip Service and Steamer. And Steamer was split between section three and section four. And in section four, Steamer finished. And then you got the songs When Salome Plays the Drums and On a Slow Boat to China. Anyway, that's just some crazy stuff and a crazy music format that thankfully died off. Do you remember 8-Tracks? Do you want to share those memories? Reach out to me and give me all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Moving on, I don't know why, but for some reason, the song that opened the episode is a song that has been in my head lately. And if you don't know what the song is, most of you probably do, but if you don't, it's called Pencil Thin Mustache. This version of the song is the one that has been stuck in my head, and it can be found on Jimmy's live album, You Had to Be There. It's a live album released in 1978, and I have to admit, it isn't just one of my favorite live albums by Jimmy. I think it is also one of my favorite Jimmy Buffett albums. The set list is amazing, and I love the banter and storytelling he sprinkles throughout the show. It's the kind of banter and storytelling that he doesn't do as much of on later live albums. Now, on to some great trop rock music, and the first song I want to feature is a song called Mangrove Mamas. enjoying that one for a while and it's the song that really put Howard Livingston on my trop rock radar. Mangrove Mamas and the other song I'm going to feature 
are two songs from his album, Living on Key West Time, released in 2005. This album isn't just trop rock, though. I was surprised by how untrop rock it gets at times. There are some songs on this album that are nothing but country, pure country. None of this hip-hop country that is popular today. But when the trop rock shines through, it is purely trop rock. The kind of trop rock that really makes you want to grab a flavored drink, sit down at a bar, and watch the palms sway and the ocean waves roll onto the shore. It's great music for escapism, and if you need the escape, I can't recommend it enough. Funny thing, I stumbled onto something about this song and Howard himself on songfacts.com. I would never have thought to look there for his music. Glad I stumbled onto it. Here's the blurb, because we all love a good blurb, right? This was one of Howard Livingston's first songs, Living on Key West Time, that he wrote and recorded. As Howard was doing a business deal in China for an automotive-based company he owned in Chicago, a friend of his was trying to figure out the time zone. The friend asked Howard if he knew, and Howard replied, It doesn't matter what time zone we are in, I'm living on Key West time. Based on that small conversation, Howard sat down and wrote this song. Shortly thereafter, he sold his business in Chicago, made his vacation house in the Florida Keys, his main residence, and started the group Howard Livingston and the Mile Marker 24 Band. The band name was the location of Howard's new full-time home, Mile Marker 24 on US-1 in the Florida Keys. Love learning stuff like that. And bravo, Howard. Not sure many of us have the cojones to do something like that. Hang up your life and move to the Keys? Anyway, let me go ahead and dive into Living on Key West Time. Let me drop anchor here and close out the episode. You can hear my voice talking about music on the Audible Ecstasy podcast and talking about horror on the Nightlight Tales podcast. And stay tuned after Jimmy Buffett sings. I'll be reading a bit more of the Tale of the Golden Pirate. Arr! And don't forget to check out the show notes where you can find all my social media areas, where to buy my books, and my Patreon page. And if you enjoy what you hear, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. One last thing, I want to hear your Buffett origin stories. How you became a Jimmy Buffett fan. 
Several of the podcasts I listen to have been doing this with the artists they cover, so I thought it might be nice to hear your Parrothead origin stories and to share those stories on the podcast. And if you got stories about meeting Jimmy, you got stories about hanging out with Jimmy, you got stories about meeting a coral reefer, anything like that can tie into your Buffett origin story. Email is songlinesandtanlines at gmail.com. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers and aloha. That's a little song about a little island that's, uh, that's nowhere other than in your mind or at the bottom of the Cuervo bottle. No, people ask me, they go, where the hell is Margaritaville? I go, it's anywhere you want it to be. Buddy. Thanks for listening this far. Again, the book is called The Tale of the Golden Pirate. You can get it on Amazon in ebook or paperback, and you can find it for $1 on my Patreon page. Now let's get into the story. A mile in, and he was hurting. Tony was lagging beside him, and Parson could tell Tony wanted to speed up. Why don't you go ahead, Tony? My shins are bugging me today. I'll stay with you. The shins will warm up. Just keep moving those legs. Encouraged, Parson kept going. Two miles in and the shins were starting to come around. Parson was happy about that. The men ran on and kept the talk to a minimum. Three miles in and the shin pain was gone. Parson was feeling good. But Tony was starting to pull away. Go on, Tony. I know you want to. I'll meet you at the end. Are you sure? Go. I feel bad if you don't. Thanks. And like that, Tony was off. Parson kept his speed as he watched Tony go up to the three-and-a-half-mile spot and turn around. When Tony passed Parson, he gave him a wave. Parson waved back, made his turn, and then watched his friend evaporate into the distance. Four miles, no sign of Tony in front of him. Parson was feeling great. This was going to be a good run. He checked his watch, and he saw he was sitting at about a ten-and-a-half-minute mile. He told himself he would take it. The rest of the run went like this, five miles, getting faster, quick burst of speed, six miles, losing focus, got to get that last mile, seven miles, a slow stop, a cool down, walk. Parson checked his time. He had run today's mileage in an hour and 16 minutes. That wasn't great, but it was a run and a long run at that. He would, of course, take it. Parson walked back to his car, and he saw Tony leaning there against it. How was it, Parson? I assume you did a few more miles than me. I did about ten, and he don't look like he did three. I feel like I did. The two men were in silence for a moment as Tony leaned on the car and Parson stretched. This was a good run once I got past the shin issue. Maybe it's the shoes, Tony replied. I think it's the cold. I guess some of us are better at the cold than others. I can't stand it. The men again took a pause in the conversation. They watched a few runners and cyclists move onto the trail. Parson broke the silence. I need to talk to someone about something, and I need a good ear. You've been there for me before. I was wondering if you could do it again. You know you have my ear anytime you need it. Shoot. Parson thought about it for a moment and then began. I think... I'm leaving town for a while. 
maybe for good. What? Those words hit Tony pretty hard. Why? It's not set in stone, but I think I have to. I don't think I have a choice. Are you in trouble with a woman or some gambling debts? I can help you if you need it. It's nothing like that, Tony. Parson trailed off. I know what I'm about to say is nuts, but you have to go with it. My ear is your ear. Spill it. I mean, really, you have to go with it. You have to understand and believe. You know me, Parson. Friend to friend, I can handle it. Parson studied Tony for a moment. Tony seemed to be ready. So Parson told Tony all about the pirate, the map, and the mysterious island that did not exist on any map that he could find. Parson told Tony he had been thinking about leaving since it happened, and the to-leave-or-not-to-leave thoughts were about to drive him crazy. When Parson was done, Tony leaned on the car and drew in a cool breath of fresh air.